Welcome to The Good Mood Show with Matt O'Neill. This is the show to help you navigate the challenging moods we all experience as human beings and where you will learn the best strategies to feel the good moods and good vibes we all love to feel. Because when you feel like your best self, you are your best self. This is The Good Mood Show. Now, here's your host, Matt O'Neill. Welcome to The Good Mood Show. I'm your host, Matt O'Neill. Today, I am joined by my coach and the guy who has made the biggest impact in my spiritual and emotional growth, Matthew Micheletti. Matt, welcome to the show. Oh man, I'm so happy to be here. It's an honor. Man, it is a total honor having you on the Good Mood Show. And we love to talk about what everyone's going to learn and take away. And in this show, they're just going to learn like true freedom and lasting happiness. (laughs) <laughs> no big deal. <laughs> no big deal. <laughs> so uh, if, you're, if you're listening to this show, just know by the end of the episode, you're going to know the pathway to lasting happiness and true freedom and peace in your life. And that's, uh, that's what you're going to get out of today's show. So Matt is the co-author, along with his wife, Ash, of the best-selling book, The Inner Work. Matt has got 700,000 followers in his online community. Man, he's he's just a total awesome dude all around. Matt, man, thank you for bringing your genius here. So today, we, you know, I, I was asking you, what should we talk about? And you said, we need to teach people that the goal of life is not comfort. What mm-hmm. did you mean by that? Yeah, I would say that whenever we're trying to strive and improve, what I mean by that is we tend to make the external comforts the goal right? So the money, the house, the family, the possessions and stuff like that. And then when we look at people who achieve that, though, a lot of the time, they're usually still unhappy. They're still depressed. It's never enough. Um, Some people even is, you know, we see these stars and these really famous people even like commit suicide. We're like, wow, we all scratch our heads and go, what the heck? They had everything, right? So it really starts to open up this question of, do we really want the circumstantial comforts, or are we all actually after this sensation of ultimate freedom and true happiness, like lasting happiness? And I think that's really what that point is really all about is we're really after that. And so what happens is when we start seeking the comfort, we tend to get distracted and we we tend to miss the point. And we spend a lot of time and energy creating all those comforts all, all just to find out that that actually isn't the source of the happiness. That's that's the big catch there. Yeah, man. Everything you just said there is exactly why I love talking with you. <laughs> because I I can totally relate. I've chased all of those external things and achieved all of those you external totally things. And uh, and then I I got to where I thought like I had the vision boards and the goals and like this much revenue and income and family and, you know, this type of address. And I, you know, I was like, just trying to build up to this thing that I thought that was going to make everything okay. And then I still had all this like anxiety and these uncomfortable emotions. Mm. And it was still all just like the same. Exactly. Exactly. We always say like, um, 
So with a lot of the work that we do at the inner work, you know, you're really looking at um, a lot of shadow stuff. And, and it's like that classic saying of you always bring your problems with you wherever you go, like your shadow always follows you. So, I mean, that's exactly what you just said right there. And that's the beauty of the inner work is you got to let's look at that. We, I mean, like people like you that have done that, the amount of like ambition and energy and passion that you have to have to achieve what you've achieved. Imagine if you just took that level of discipline and honed it towards this inner work. I mean, you've got to ba- basically be the next Buddha with that level of <laughs> discipline. <laughs> Man, so your book is called The Inner Work. Uh, it, look, it's one of the it's one of the most influential books I've ever read. I, I, every single page, I was like underlining the entire book, taking notes on the whole thing. It was just so mind blowing every step of the way. And also so like easy to digest and understand. Um, so anyone who's listening, go to Amazon, buy the inner work, but man, in the book, you, you don't call it like inner enlightenment or inner peace. You call it inner work. Why is it work? You just (laughs) said that discipline. Why does this take work and discipline? Oh my gosh. So much so. Uh, Because it's uncomfortable. It's super uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable to grow, right? So I always like to compare it to uh, physical life because everybody can relate to, let's say, working out and eating healthier and trying to get your body healthier, right? We all know that going to the gym takes a ton of effort, right? Like, we don't expect that to be fun and easy necessarily. So when we look at our emotional health, when we look at our spiritual health, there is a massive misconception that that should be easy, that it should just be, you know, like, what? it's just like being happy. That should be fun. And it's like, no, no, no. In the same way that doing physical exercise takes a lot of effort, but gosh, dang, is the reward worth it because you're going to be healthy. In the same way, when you dive into looking at your programs and your past, you know, traumas and you're uprooting this, this crap, I'll try not to cuss on the show, but you look at this stuff, you know, we don't want to uh, think and go into that thinking like that's just going to be some picnic because when you anticipate, all right, I'm going to have to really show up with some courage here. I think it sets us up with an expectation that can be more accurate because when we go into something with a false expectation, man, nothing, nothing's more disappointing than that. When you think something's supposed to be easy and fun and then like it's hard and it takes effort that always like makes it twice as defeating. Right? So we always just like to be like, Hey, look, yeah, it's going to be hard, but the guarantee, I think we say this within the first few pages of the book, we say like, whatever the cost, you're not going to care. Like no matter how hard this is, we can guarantee you it's going to be worth it because there is nothing like elevating your consciousness, healing from your past traumas and getting to a place where you authentically feel like a genuine, unique person who's found themselves. You feel free in who you are. You feel like you can love yourself. Absolutely. You can forgive anything and everything you might be carrying. You can forgive everything and anything you might be carrying towards others and truly feel happy because of that. Woo. I mean, what is what like, yeah, man, sign me up. Like whatever I have to do to get that, let's do it. Yeah. Because what else is the point? What else is the point? Hey, if you're like me, you're looking to stay in a good mood most of the time, but those pesky bad moods keep coming back around. Just go to the goodmoodshow.com and download the good mood toolkit. 
and I'll share the secrets of how to get out of each flavor of bad mood so that you get to stay in the good vibes we all love to feel. And look, as a bonus, I'll also email you the resource from each guest who comes on this show every week. So just go to thegoodmoodshow.com, enter your email, and get that Good Mood Toolkit today. Everything, all those external things that I said I was chasing, the whole reason I was chasing those was to be happy. Totally. Like I thought that was the pathway to happiness. And it did. That took a lot of work too. Like a, so much work. A tremendous oh amount of work. And the work you... So uh, anyone who's listened to this show knows I talk about my coach, Matt, all the time. Well, this is my coach, Matt. And Matt, <laughs> like when something really bothers me, and it happens quite a bit... I'll reach out to Matt and he always is like the most wise sage ever and can see it from a higher perspective. And every single time I'm able to shift my perspective and see that what I'm being bothered by is not this external event. I'm being bothered by my own thoughts and perspectives about Mm -hmm. that event. That's been like the Mm -hmm. biggest aha for me Mm -hmm. in working Mm -hmm. with you. So how anyone who's listening to the show that that is bothered, which we all are at some point in time. How do you get to the point where you recognize you're the one bothering yourself? Yeah. So, so to, to really help us all get the most out of that question, we got to build the framework of how our mind works. So a lot of, a lot of what my wife and I are always teaching, whether it's in our yoga teacher training, whether it's counseling, uh, whether it's on social media, what we're really trying to help people understand, if we were to really simplify it, is just what it's what it means to be human and how the mind works. Because unfortunately, it's not like everybody actually is going through this stuff because we're all human. So it's universal wisdom. It's universal knowledge. And it applies to all of us as humans. The really interesting thing as we've been doing this work over the last decade is we look at the world and we say, man, it's not that no one's capable. It's that nobody knows. So Let's lay down that foundational knowledge first, because that's that's what this always comes down to is we all just don't know. So the biggest thing is I would say is the mind is has a lot of addictions. And so what gets tricky is it gets addicted to our emotions. And so when we are experiencing, um, let's say, a trigger like stress, uh, um, anger, guilt, shame, like these these deep-seated emotions, of course, they're super uncomfortable, which is usually why we don't want to stay in them very long. But here's where it gets weird. Our mind can become addicted to those emotions without us knowing. It's all subconscious. So how this tends to happen is when we're kids, we get exposed to these energies early on. It'd be like exposing a kid to like heroin or cocaine or or like alcohol. And they don't know that you just gave them a highly addictive substance, but you did. So in the same way, parents, teachers, religions, society, they're, they're indoctrinating us and exposing us to these energies. Now, they're highly addictive. Like, I don't know about you, but stress is technically highly, highly addictive because it releases adrenaline, it releases cortisol, and it releases a bunch of other um, neurochemicals in our brain that are drugs. They're just, think of them as drugs. So what happens is we get exposed to these, these energies. Now, these energies come with thoughts, perspectives, and belief systems. Now, another way you can word that is we become addicted to thoughts that create stress. We become addicted to beliefs and perspectives of life that create stress. 
or shame or guilt or whatever our theme of consciousness is. And we'll maybe get into that at some point. But it's like, when we look at it, we can really categorize what are some of the big, you know, categories that I'm addicted to? Am I addicted to a lot of guilt? Like, do I always make myself feel guilty? Am I always dwelling on that? Am I always perceiving things of, oh, they're judging me or, oh, I shouldn't have done that. Right. So we start to look at what are, what's my pattern. And then we realize like, man, my mind is really addicted to this. My mind is, is really, uh, it, it loves going there. That's what we always say. It's like, go there, you know, like the person goes there. So everybody's mind is doing this. We have these addictions to patterns of thought. And so when we start to do inner work, we, we start to reveal that and we start to notice the pattern. That's the first step is like, you got to notice what's your go-to like mine for the longest time. Like I got a lot of shame and guilt wounds that I had to work on in anger. So my go-tos, if something's going wrong, boom, man, I'm right there to shame. I'm feeling unworthy. I'm feeling I'm doing something wrong. And, and so that was the constant go-to. So it didn't really matter what the circumstance was. So this is the biggest takeaway today that I would love everybody to, to really sink into is it's not the circumstance creating that experience. It's your inner perception of those circumstances that are creating the experience. So that addiction to my guilt, man, my guilt will find any circumstance it can to trigger that. Do you see? Like, it doesn't matter because the guilt is what's causing the problem. It's the addiction to the guilt. So, so it's actually a really interesting thing when you start to become aware of this, because I don't know if you guys have ever experienced this, but when things are too good for too long, I get those old addictions get an itch. Oh, totally. Like, man, things have been too peaceful yes. and calm lately. No, a hundred percent, man. Uh, Katie and I sometimes, like as soon as we notice that, sometimes we'll be starting a fight with each other. And I'm yep. like, and I'm like, wait a minute, did we hit our upper limit of happiness? Yes. Is this us just trying to trigger ourselves back to a comfortable level of happiness where things just going too good? And then like, we'll just snap right out of it and be like, no, yeah, it's okay. We can just be happy for longer. Yes. So that's it right there. So that's the addiction kicking in and saying it's withdrawing from adrenaline, it's withdrawing from cortisol. It needs a battle. Yeah. And so the biggest thing of why this, this, this is why the work is uncomfortable is, is it's not uncomfortable in the sense of it's not rewarding. Definitely want to say that it's extremely rewarding. And by the way, too, with all the positive circumstances, like you're still going to have those. In fact, they're actually the natural side effect. Like when you become a loving, uh, positive, disciplined person, it's just a natural side effect that your circumstances improve. It's just that they're not the goal is the point. But yeah, you're going to be healthier, wealthier, happier. Of course, all that's just going to naturally happen. So when we expose these addictions, this is where the getting uncomfortable or, or, or getting comfortable being uncomfortable kicks in. Because we usually won't catch this mechanism of the mind because we will react and be on autopilot because how the ego mind works is it's like very animal based and it's based on keeping the, the, the animal organism alive, like the body. So it's, it's goals are always to maximize comfort and minimize discomfort. I mean, that's where all of our chasing comes from too. That's the animal part of us. That's trying to hunt, kill, build shelter, have fire. You know what I mean? It's like trying to, trying to create that physical survival. So when these addictions kick in, 
this is where the work really starts because just like you and Katie did with that example, you have to sit in the awkward feeling of that long enough to realize it's happening. But see, most of us, what we do because we don't know that the mind's doing this to us is we just do what it tells us. So like if we were to go back to your example, that itch, that addiction is telling you, hey, stir the pot, stir the pot. Right. Come on, man. Yeah. Ca- cause a problem. Hey, poke, poke, push the button. Yeah. You know her no, buttons. I'm, Come I'm on. thinking of a very specific example. <laughs> I wanted Katie to watch a movie with the kids and me and I had made popcorn and yep. we were, you know, we were going to put on family movie night and she wanted to fix the, the pool. <laughs> and I was like, and I got so upset that she wouldn't join me for family movie night. And she was so upset mm-hmm. that I wasn't wanting her to fix the pool. And we were like, we're about yep. to start arguing about it. And I'm like, wait a minute. Like we've, things have been so good for so long. We're not mm-hmm. really upset about this. I don't, yep. yeah, I'm with the kids. I'm, I'm I love this movie. I've got yeah, popcorn. I'm totally fine. And you really just want to take care of this thing because, you know, you, that's just what you want to do. That's totally fine. And we just started laughing and but it could have autopilot. We totally oh, would have been could have total spiral, total fight. And then, you know, drama, cortisol, everything that you said. Yep. And then she gets cold towards me and I get cold towards her. And it's just like this whole like habit, habitual chemical cocktail of, of, yes. of emotions. Exactly. Exactly. So it takes that, it takes the ability to notice the discomfort arising And not just reacting to it because see the way the mind works is once that discomfort arises and we'd call that the itch. So what really triggered you guys, right, is you had expectations of each other. You know, like she wanted you, she expected you to do something, you expected her to do something. And so when that didn't happen, the body started getting uncomfortable. And then when that discomfort boils up, the body says, hey, go do this to fix that. And so it's, it's trying to it's just like, that's why I love the drug analogy because we can all relate to that concept, whether it's to go get a drink or yeah, I need to get out of here or I need to like run away from this situation. Most of us can relate to this concept of your mind getting uncomfortable and then trying to fix it and push us away or go grab something to fix it. So in the same way, these discomforts bubble up and then the body just like uses us, the mind just uses us and says, hey, go do this. And if we don't have that discipline to just sit and be like, whoa, this is super uncomfortable right now. However, I'm not going to give in to what it's telling me to do. So in this case, because here's the catch with the human ego. Its solutions always get the opposite of what oh, it it's, says. It's the worst. So, it's the worst. Yes. It, I wasn't going to make connection and have this yes. lovely family movie night with a happy exactly. wife and happy children. I was going to have the exact opposite of the connection I wanted, but that's the trick of the ego. Exactly. See, so like the, the argument it was trying to control you with in that moment is, hey, get her to not do the pool. Yeah, and come sit be down. With me. Come sit yeah, down and sit be down. happy. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, see, the ego thought that was a genius idea. He yeah, was like, genius. yeah, Matt, this is going to work. But <laughs> had you done that exactly, it would not have achieved that. No. It would have probably achieved the opposite. No, it would. So, yeah, it's crazy. So the, I know that's another one of my favorite teachings is that you've said is anything the ego promises you, it delivers you the mm. exact opposite of that promise. Exactly. So we have to start watching that 
And again, you're only going to be able to see that if you're able to sit in the discomfort. So you got to be able to sit with the body getting triggered and sit with the mind telling you to do things. And then having that higher awareness to say, hey, just because I'm thinking this doesn't mean it's me, doesn't mean it's real, and it does not mean I have to do it. So when you brought up earlier, like, why is it work and why is it required discipline? Why am I using these types of words? It's because that requires a lot of self-control. I mean, you know, just listen to that. Don't do what the mind tells you. Wow, that takes a lot of control because most of us, we're just doing whatever the mind tells us to do. And we have to really peel back the layers and say, hey, just so you know, one of the biggest things that we point out in the inner work is as a human species, we have all fallen trick to the greatest con of all time is we think we are our thoughts. We are not our thoughts. We're listening to our thoughts, but we're not our thoughts. So that takes a lot of discipline to peel back that layer of self-awareness and start to witness what it's been up to our whole life. Because every bit of human suffering all of us have ever endured is the result of our ego screwing with us, <laughs> which is something kind of crazy to wrap our heads around and be like, uh-huh. But the cool part about that is because we know that, it also means our freedom is like right there, baby. It's in our hands. Yeah. Because once you see what the source of human suffering is, it also therefore sets you free from it once you figure out how to move past it. So there's some really tricky ones to move past. And you've, totally. helped, you've helped me with shame and guilt. And those were the two, two of the first things we worked on. And you had said early in, in, in our work together that every person you work with just about has some mm -hmm. amount of shame to deal with and some amount of guilt to deal with. And the mm -hmm. shame is this feeling that we're not enough as we are. So I had these, I had these things in my work that would continue to happen, which is real estate agents change companies. 30% mm -hmm. of all real estate agents change, change companies every year. And I mm -hmm. run a real estate company. So this thing would keep happening. A real estate agent would change companies. And then I would feel like I wasn't enough when they made that choice. And it was very painful for me. Um, mm -hmm. how, how do you help people heal from that feeling, this universal feeling that we're not enough as we are? Mm. Yeah. Wow. That's a beautiful one. This is going to be fun. So... Yeah, the beauty of healing this one is again, we start with all right, let's first let's see why we even are in this situation in the first place. Because the way I like to help us is, especially with inner work in the, in the book, is our theory is that you really need to understand how you even got there first. And it really helps you let it go. Because once we know how we got there, we're able to see clearly again. So with this particular wound, first we got to say, well, just so you know, that was never actually true and it was never yours. So let's look at that. How did we even get this feeling in the first place? Where did that come from? Because it's really liberating to know that that was never yours. You, you inherited that because someone teaches us that we're unworthy. That's a, that's a lesson. That's like a that's like learning multiplication. Like It's taught to you. Yeah, so, so you're saying sh the shame, the feeling that I'm not enough wasn't yep. wasn't something that was a thought that I created. It was a thought that I inherited or learned yes. from watching someone else who felt that way. Exactly. Exactly. So first and foremost, that's really, even that's like a sigh of relief, right? Because every time we expose 
uh, these, I call them lies because they're spiritual lies, they're psychological lies, they're lies. It's a, it is a 100% fallacy and lie to say that you are unworthy of love ever, actually. Um, we'll, we'll keep diving into that in a second, but it's like, these are, they're just literally lies. So I like to call them that because we just want to call them what they are. So when we get exposed to this, usually what it is, is someone uh, mistreats us. It's usually a parent. We maybe get scolded. Uh, we maybe get in trouble. Uh, all it takes with that one, especially, is we we get punished or get embarrassed or someone attacks us and the ego takes it extremely personally. And so when the human, when we go through things as humans, the mind is going to naturally take it very personal and it's going to identify with it. And one of the biggest mistakes we see uh, humans, right? Like the human family making is we are accidentally infusing and enmeshing our self-worth with our choices. These are actually two totally separate concepts. Your worthiness of love is always intact. You are always innocent, complete, loved, whole, worthy of love. And that will never change. And it can never change. That's one of my favorite parts of the inner workbook is when you listed all of those words and you said, hey, read all of these words. You are pure. You are stainless. Mm. You are perfect. You are wholly loved. You know, when, and, and then you said, if any of those you don't believe, you've got some more work to do on healing shape. Yep. And I, and as I was reading those words, like that had such a huge impact on me because of course I circled a bunch of the words I didn't fully believe mm. as I'm reading it. And, and even as you and I worked together, it took me a long time to separate my actions and output in the world from my worthiness of love. And, mm-hmm. you know, and, and part of this was, and you, and thankfully you really helped me heal some trauma that I had with religion as well is this idea that I had to perform perfectly to achieve God's love. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. like figuring that out, that I don't have to be perfect and that I'm always loved by our creator at all times was a massive shift for me in healing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, beautiful. So so continuing to build off that is, yeah, that's another common source of this lie is being told that we're basically born wrong. (laughs) It's like, welcome to the world. You're unworthy. You know, like, yeah, that's a total lie. Oh, dude. Oh, man. Just on, Katie and I are are, uh, becoming members of our church. And I I love it. I've told you many times about the music Mm -hmm. there. It's just so uplifting. The sermons are awesome. Um, But we're in the membership meeting. And he said, hey, our church is founded on five truths. And truth number one, you are broken. And I had to scratch it out. (laughs) <laughs> and, and I wrote, and I just had to write other words like "I am forgiven," "I am loved," "I am perfect." Yes, yeah. Good. But the other, you know, the other four truths were really good. Beautiful, yeah. You know, and and so to build off that, the 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 positive thing that religions are trying to say in those moments is, I think if we were to really clarify that, we would say your ego is going to mislead you. Your ego is broken. It's, it's the, it's the thing, you know, if we were to really get specific with language. And then I think another thing that is trying to be taught, especially with most of the people that I encounter with this, it's a lot of Christian trauma because of this mistranslation of that teaching. 
I think that the best way we can look at that is, hey, you're always loved. You're always accepted and loved by God unconditionally. Now, here's the beautiful thing they're trying to teach people is, but be careful because your choices do have consequences and you're so loved that we just don't want you to have negative consequences if you can avoid it. Like that's the pure teaching right there is it's just out of love to say, hey, just so you know, like you can really cause a lot of suffering for yourself and others. So just be mindful of your choices. But here's how this backfires. Yet again, ego getting the opposite of what it's uh, wanting. So when this, whenever we teach someone a spiritual distortion to try to help them, it only creates more spiritual distortion. So the ego is trying to love them and say, hey, like you need God, be humble, surrender your ego, make good choices. That's the positive message it's trying to send. But what it's really doing is creating unworthiness and making people feel horrible about themselves, which then the subconscious accepts that program and then unfortunately starts acting it out to validate it. Oh man! And so we actually create people committing more and more shameful yeah. behaviors and so, guiltful behaviors yeah, on accident. And that, and that was me. So I, you know, my my personal trauma was in my dad not feeling worthy because of his upbringing, and then not mm-hmm. and then telling me that I wasn't worthwhile, and me believing it because I was a small child. And then mm-hmm. going to church every Sunday and going to catechism on Wednesdays and repeating the words, I am not worthy. This is like Shit. out loud. We would just repeat it. Like, I am not worthy uh, I am, and I am a sinner. And, Damn. you know, and, um, and so that was so programmed into my subconscious, those thoughts mm-hmm. that then an agent changes companies and it just says, you're and not, you're, you're not worthy. Yep. Yeah. So, so that's the fascinating thing about the subconscious. Again, just understanding what it is to be human. This is just so, it's so important. So because that root program gets in there, this is where we have to be super uh, vigilant because once that program's in there, whatever the subconscious gets programmed with, the way it works is it will then obsessively try to validate that. Now this comes from our survival mechanism over the years, whatever you get indoctrinated with it, here's the beautiful version of it. Hey, these, these berries are poisonous. Don't eat them. Hey, that saber tooth tiger, like don't go near it and touch it. It's not a pet. So those were the healthy things. And then we would validate it by saying, Ooh, stay away from that. Or, Oh, so-and-so ate that berry on accident and they died. Ooh, validation, validation. So that's the healthy reason why our mind works this way is it helped us survive when it came to that type of stuff. But the unfortunate thing is now that we're a lot more civilized, most of our passing on of wisdom is emotional stuff because it's not quite as uh, like we're not out in the forest necessarily anymore foraging for food and fighting off bears and tigers and stuff. So the difference is now we're passing on these weird beliefs. Like let's say this one, you know, you're unworthy. Well, unfortunately, that survival mechanism, the survival mechanism of our brain thinks I need to prove constantly that I'm unworthy or else I might die. <laughs> yeah. You see, and it, would, it, it, it takes keep, it just as serious as if you just learned this is a poisonous berry, don't eat it. And, it, and then it would keep creating situations where people yes. would say you're not worthy or yes. it would take 
any situation, as you had said earlier, and it, just an external circumstance would happen. And I would say, yep. oh, that's more proof that I'm proof. right the whole time I'm unworthy. Well, the good news is, is that, man, you you really have helped me heal a lot of those wounds with Christianity, um, with Jesus, and just learning the true lessons of you are always loved and you are always forgiven. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's a beautiful thing that I'm having intuition to just build on for a second is, the reason why the true the true love of Christ is you are always forgiven because every every let's call it sin I would just say every hurtful behavior to not give it that stigma um, every hurtful behavior you've ever done to yourself and others was literally just out of ignorance you just didn't know so of course you're forgiven you were think about it every trauma we've ever committed in this world is just traumatized people traumatized it's hurt people hurting people so how could an all loving god possibly hold us accountable to something that we inherited and was not truly we didn't know what the hell we were doing yeah and then, that, <laughs> and then that's guilt so that this was the, and i'm just thinking about the next part of your book you talk about how even if you did know better yeah if you if you had the consciousness level to not harm someone, you would have, but you weren't there yet. And so you mm-hmm. were still doing the very best you could at all times, even if you knew what you were doing was wrong. And that's why you don't have to add guilt on top of your actions. It, well, and the tricky thing too is like shame and guilt literally don't help. That's that's why I do get a little um, heartbroken hearing how these st- super like positive intention pastors and teachers and parents, you know, they're like I said, to give them the benefit of the doubt, they think they're loving and helping the person, but they're not, unfortunately, because that's not how the human mind works. If if we really want to help people feel empowered and love, reassure them always first that they're loved and then just teach them consequences. So how we heal guilt is we just say, hey, dude, you're not wrong. It's all good. It's just that your worth and your choices are two separate topics. You got your worth. It's always there. You're never going to lose it. However, welcome to free will. Uh, you you have choices and they will have consequences. And you don't need to feel guilty about it. You just need to be accountable for that. That's all. And so you got to just check in and say, man, uh, when I lash out at my wife and take out my stresses from my career or whatever on her, that creates a lot of pain. And I create, man, I don't know if I like that. And so you start sitting with consequences of your behavior and you say, man, I think maybe I could let this go now. I don't know if I really want to keep doing this. Yeah, that, that was another one of my favorite takeaways was you call it the law of divine consequence. That mm-hmm. every action already has a consequence. As soon as you think it or perform it, the consequence is created mm-hmm. simultaneously. And once you understand mm-hmm. that, you stop creating negative consequences. Mm-hmm. Well, bec- and, and it also helps you forgive people because no one gets away with anything. Um, like, for example, let's say I do something shameful and guiltful behind my uh, wife's back. And I think I get away with it. You know, I'm doing something shady. I'm lying. I'm doing something like this. Right. And I think I get away with it and she didn't catch me. So I'm like, I'm off the hook. No, I'm not because technically I'm having to live with that secret. I'm having to live with that in my consciousness at all times. And so I don't get the beautiful reward of living in integrity, which is a peaceful conscience. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't, I don't get that reward because when I go to bed at night, I got secret paranoias I've got to hide. I got all these fears, these stresses. So no one gets away with anything because anytime we commit these painful behaviors, you have to live with it forever. 
So when we get to the point in the book where we talk about courage, that's when it really starts to settle in because we realize, man, I have to live with the choices I make no matter what. And also I have to live with everything I do, even when no one's looking, it matters because we're the ones experiencing it. So once you start to see like, dude, I'm only hurting myself, it really starts to switch the game because see, when we have a God to project onto, it doesn't really help us be accountable. Think about it. If it's an arbitrary punishment from a parent or a God, it's arbitrary. You don't know, am I going to be as good favors today or not? Now, we usually get taught this from parents because like my mom, for example, was super emotionally volatile. So one day she's good, the next day she's bad. And there's no real rhyme or reason to it from a kid's perspective. So it makes you, it makes you feel like, Maybe I'm just, it's a roll of dice. Maybe I'll get judged today. Maybe I won't. Yeah. But if we, but if we change that and we say, no, 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 you're actually all judgment day is every day. It's always, it's, it's your perpetual state of who you're choosing to be in every moment. You're living with the consequences every single second. So when we put that accountability back on us, it goes from this like fear and projection onto God, parents and whoever that we're afraid of. And instead we get to feel empowered because here's the coolest part. When we take that accountability, it also means you can create beautiful things in your life because you can make awesome choices and you can show up with love and then you get the consequences of that. So consequence over, over judgment is a massive power switch because consequences are is an empowering concept, whereas judgment is like you're screwed because that arbitrary judger that you could just catch them on a bad day. <laughs> no matter how good you are, it's never good enough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love, I love the thought of living in integrity. And, um, you know, I, you and I are big fans of David Hawkins. And he, he found that only 20% of people live in this theme of consciousness of courage or above, which is mm-hmm. the theme of integrity. So 80% of the world, eight out of 10 people are living outside of integrity. And that means they're making these really painful choices and suffering really painful consequences. And I I think that's why the majority of the world has this affinity to all the negativity in the news and and really stressful TV shows. And that's what's the most popular Mm -hmm. because they're all just plagued by this, like this sabotaging behavior and these sabotaging thoughts. So I did promise everyone that by the end of the show, they would know how to have true freedom and lasting happiness. And I think we've done a good job framing it. Now, there are some Mm -hmm. things, I had this question prepared for you, and it was sometimes something outside of your control. You're living a life of integrity. You're making choices, really positive choices. You're trying to uplift the world. You're doing the best you can. And then something bad happens to you. Maybe it's a diagnosis or, you know, an accident happens and it really had nothing to do with your choices. It just happened to you. Sure. How do you deal with that? You know, that doesn't sound like you've got a lot of peace when that happens. Mm-hmm. So here's the, the circle back to true freedom and lasting happiness on this is the precursor we talked about today was you got to be able to be in the discomfort and you got to just be comfortable or at least tolerant of being there, right? So this is a perfect example of, all right, horrible circumstance hits, uncomfortable. now. If we can't stay in that discomfort to respond to this circumstance out of our own choice, we will create suffering most likely like we talked about earlier because our ego will probably take control and it will choose a past negative pattern 
because that's probably most familiar to it. And it will create more pain and suffering for us. So it's kind of like this. You already got a negative circumstance. Your ego will just make it worse. So like, for example, you get hit by a negative circumstance. Your ego then goes and hits the bottle, gets wasted, loses even more, maybe kills itself drunk driving. You know what I'm saying? Like the ego will cope with a horrible circumstance even worse. So that's the first big takeaway of like, this is what it means to get your freedom back. Whereas you got this negative circumstance, if you can just sit in the discomfort for a second and say, damn, this does suck and it hurts. And you just let it hurt and stop trying to run away from it. And you say, okay, I'm going to let it hurt long enough to choose my response to this. Because in every single moment, there is a gap that we can choose how I'm going to respond to the circumstance. And that response is what determines whether we suffer or whether it turns into something maybe beautiful and transformative. So you go through a painful circumstance. The, this freedom idea is, it's freedom to choose, is this going to make me or break me? I think that's a nice simplified way to put it. Because out of every negative circumstance, there is something beautiful that could come from it. Otherwise, we would all be disempowered. And I don't believe in that, you know, obviously. <laughs> so we could take any negative circumstance. Maybe it's asking you to um, show up for others. You know, maybe maybe you're being invited to be a loving uh, beacon in that moment. Maybe you're being expanded in your own wisdom. Maybe you're being expanded in your ability to be humble and to accept the human condition and its limitations. Maybe that's going to make you a wiser, uh, hum more humble person. Maybe it's going to turn into an opportunity, depending on the, whatever the circumstances. Maybe it's going to make you pivot, make a change. Maybe it's going to make you improve something, right? I could go on and on and we could look at endless like contextual situations. Like we look at certain circumstances and we could, we could say the point is we're free enough to look and see that there is technically an empowered option every single time. And so when that's, we have the ability to sit huge. in the discomfort, yeah, it's super huge. Every single external circumstance that happens to us it's negative. Mm -hmm. There is always an empowered option. And man, Nailed so it. you and I talked a lot as I was uh, preparing to have Chris Singleton on the show. Mm -hmm. And I was um, just really, really curious about interviewing Chris because I think the most awful act of humanity that I've, I've ever had a chance to talk with someone about that deeply and personally impacted them is what happened to Chris. And I was mm -hmm. just curious how he made such a high choice. And I remember as I was talking with you before I was going to interview him, you said, man, that was a moment that most people would have shrunk from. And he rose to the highest place that human consciousness could rise to and forgave this aggressor, this, this man who took his mom's life uh, needlessly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I actually was, just listened to that episode. That was the higher choice. That was the empowered choice. And all the other choices were not that one choice that he chose to make. All the other choices 100%. were revenge, suffering, sorrow, despair, right? And, and rightfully so. No one would blame him sure. if he had made sure. those choices. Uh, but he ended up choosing forgiveness. And also too, like, because I just listened to that episode and I'm familiar uh, with this story, Let's point out this too. Of not only did he choose it for himself, but now look, he's a massive beacon of love, hope, inspiration. So he took a tragedy and he turned, he transmuted it. Because look, if you already went through the tragedy, 
you might as well turn that into something because it's already, it's already sucks. It already is horrible. So we might as well say, look, I'm going to take this horrible thing. I'm going to do some alchemy here. I'm going to take this and turn it into gold. I'm going to turn it into something that will help humanity. So Chris is a fantastic example because he's taking this experience, this horrible experience, of course, but look at, look at the love and light he is turning it into. I mean, that is true freedom and lasting happiness because he is showing his level of freedom is the most horrible thing can happen to me and it still can't take my happiness. It still can't take my peace. It can't take my purpose. It can't take my mission. In fact, it just added fuel to my fire of how important this message is because if he gets that message out enough, maybe those things would stop happening. <laughs> and he's doing, so, he's doing a great job with it. And so are you, man. Mm-hmm. You're, you, you are lighting up the world. You're making such a positive impact in my life personally and in so many other people's lives. And it's just such an honor to be here on the show with you today and, and to know you as a friend. Well, likewise, brother. Man, so Matt, if people want to learn more, obviously, first, go read the book. It's awesome. The Inner Work, you can find it on Amazon. Uh, but how else could they reach out to you? Uh, the best way, you know, we give it a lot of, of great videos and content on our social media as well, on Instagram and TikTok. If you look up The Yoga Couple, and and we dive into a lot of inner work topics there and relationship topics. It's it's really fun and we we can really act things out with videos. So it's kind of fun, great way to learn. So I'd I'd highly recommend following us on social media uh, to learn more. And uh, yeah, we'll see you there. Man, um, and also uh, you were so kind as to offer a download. So um, it's the seven day frequency reset challenge. And yes. um, so if if you go to the inner work website, or if you go to goodmoodshow.com and enter your email address there, we will send you the seven-day frequency reset challenge that Matt and Ash have created to raise your frequency. Yes. And it also, it'll be cool too, for those of you who get the book, the book will also invite you to the challenge and you, it's really cool. You get to do the challenge as you go through the book. And so you get to incorporate these physical practices and yoga practices to help you change your frequency while reading the book. It's like a full-blown, like, here we go, baby, transformation. Man, awesome. Well, Matt, thanks for being here, man. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of The Good Mood Show with Matt O'Neill. For free resources, videos, and materials about getting into your best moods, head over to thegoodmoodshow.com. And remember, when you feel like your best self, you are your best self. See you next week. Same time, same place.